first of all, welcome everyone. Uh, it is absolutely amazing to have you on uh, today's special launch event. We are officially launching the Open Dreams podcast today, starting with this discussion uh, with Sir Bless. And my name is Abongno Malian Titus. I'm an Open Dreams scholar and I'm the official host uh, for the Open Dreams podcast. Um, officially, oh, intermittently, Joy is going to be the host in some episodes where I, I may not be able to be present and, uh, and all of that. So we... We have been working on Open Dreams podcast. Uh, Christina and I have worked on Open Dreams podcast about a year now. We have been working very hard uh, trying to put things together. We've recorded a few episodes. We already have uh, the episodes available on, on Spotify. We have them on RSS. We have them on Podvine. We have them on Open Dreams website as well. So you can equally listen to them on those platforms. And uh, today we are quite excited to have Sir Blaise joining us. Sir Blaise is one of the co-founders of Open Dreams, you know, one of the pillars on, on which Open Dreams stands. Um, he has an MBA from Harvard Business School, and uh, his his qualifications and his, his attitude is one to to reckon with. So we are quite excited to have you here, Sir Bless. We've taken you know time out of a very busy schedule to, to join us in today's session, and it's, it's absolutely amazing to have you. Uh, so without wasting much time, and I would like to introduce you for you. I think it would be amazing if you do that yourself, since you can you know be more specific with that. So so Bless, for our listeners who don't know you. Uh, please tell us about yourself and, and who exactly you are. Thank you very much, Titus. I think you and Joy have done a great job trying to bring all this group together and create a sort of a community around Open Dream Scholars. I think a community like this is good for knowledge sharing, uh, for exchanging ideas, for discussing things that are important to you guys. So that's awesome. So I'm very happy that you guys do this. Um, so uh, I'm one of the co-founders of Open Dreams, like you guys know. It's, I think, almost getting up to our 10th year, 10th anniversary. When we started Open Dreams, and uh, before I even go into how it started, basically my background is I was a student like many of you guys are today. Uh, sometime, uh, many, many years ago, um, I was studying somewhere in the U.S., and I thought about my own path to where I was in the U.S. And I thought, you know, I didn't come from money, I didn't come from privilege, but I sort of worked hard to get to where I was. And I, I know there are so many other students at this moment in different parts of the world trying to do the same thing so why not start a program to help them do the same things i did so they can have access to opportunities as well and so on and so forth so that was the original inspiration for open dreams and at some point i thought to myself maybe wait and start something to help young people when you become a wealthy man and then the idea dawned to me you may never be wealthy if you if you're never wealthy are you not going to help people or don't even wait you start now you're going to need money to start and luckily, I'd already met uh, this amazing, fantastic uh, person, uh, Christina, uh, while I was still in London at the London School of Economics. And she's one of the most uh, beautiful in terms of like, the heart. She has a beautiful heart. And she just wanted to be involved. So that's how we got together. I mean, <clears throat> as you guys know, Hans joined us later. And then the idea for Open Dreams came together. The idea was really simple for me. When I got there to, you know, to study in the U.S., in Europe, wherever I went, I saw people from other parts of the world, hardworking, smart young people, studying on scholarships. And I would see the Indians, I would see Rwandans, I would see Kenyans, I would see Nigerians, I would see people from Hong Kong, people from Bangladesh. Then I look around and then there are no Cameroonians. And I thought, why? When we have so many smart people. And I, it dawned on me that we just don't have access to the information. We need to find a way to provide young people access to information that will enable them to be able to get these opportunities as well. So I think that's how the whole idea came together. And then here we are today. Amazing. Um, amazing there. So while I was talking with Christina earlier, she mentioned uh, that you met, uh, so she met you when she was studying at, uh, you know, London School of Economics. And you're doing, you're doing a year, um, a, semester, uh, a semester abroad there. And when you met her, she wanted to volunteer in Africa. And she was talking about, you know, her desire to volunteer somewhere in Africa. And you said, you know, come to Cameroon. We, see, uh, we have lots of issues and there's no one to help us. And, and so that was really where Open Dreams yeah. started. But apart from that, you know, that wants to enable other people or other Cameroonians from where you eventually, uh, of course, gain access to some of the wonderful study opportunities that you did have access to and the opportunities that you saw so many other, you know, students from different other countries getting access to. Was this something like within you? Was there something intrinsic, you know, that maybe types your identity who you are? that made you really want to, to uh, push forward or promulgate the, the cause of open dreams? Okay. <clears throat> so yeah, absolutely. Even before meeting Christina, I think I was always worried about the fact that 
I was the only Caribbean out there in many places, right? You go to Washington anywhere I went to my undergrad, you're the only Caribbean. You go to Washington, Antonio, you're the only Caribbean. You go to London Square, School of Economics to study, you're the only Caribbean. You go to One Year World, at the time this was in Zurich, and you're the only Cameroon. And you're like, look, I want to see other people as well from Cameroon. I don't want to be the only Cameroon in these places. I want to see young people. Because I left, when I left Cameroon, um, you know, when, when I was in high school, we used to compete. I used to compete with my friends. You know, someone to be first in class, one to be second. You guys compete. And you know that you compete with all the smart and brilliant people. But then when you go out there into the world to study, you ask yourself, where are all the smart and brilliant people are competing with? They are not here. They're, they're missing. They're not missing because they don't have, they're not smart. They're missing because they don't have access to the opportunities. Not, they don't have access to the same avenues that you have. And then you realize that. Why don't they have access? Because there's a gap in information. Because we grew up in a place where we didn't have access to the internet. You know, back, back then in 2007, when we graduated from college, we didn't have computers, no, no internet, and so on and so forth. So everyone just thought, what I could do for my, to improve my lot in life was to go to Q's, was to go to Polytech, and then maybe you could go to UB or you go to the ENS. That was like literally the, the, the realm of possibilities for many young people that were graduated uh, in my uh, uh, class that year at GBHS Domenda. And um, when I was out there, I thought, oh, me here. There could be the ones with me, there could be the ones with me in London, there could be the ones with me in the US studying. So I thought, what's the missing piece? The missing piece was they just didn't have access to information. So there was that desire uh, for me to go out there and, do, and, and, and change this. So when I got to the US, the first, my first year, I heard there was a, a convention, was it Dallas? Somewhere in Atlanta or something, yeah, something like that. Uh, no, not in Dallas, in Texas. Uh, not Atlanta, in Texas. And in Texas, it was, a, it was called CAMSA USA. Cameroon Students Association in the U.S. And I was interested to go to this event because I wanted to go there and find out from us that had been studying in the U.S. about what they were doing to help and enable other Cameroonians to get access to opportunities. And to my dismay, to my consternation, when I got there, I found out that it was a place where people go to party, to rent cars, to compete with each other. It was nothing like a sort of than I thought it would be. It was just a place where people go to socialize and show up to each other. And these guys were not even serious scholars. So I was very disappointed by that. And I came back. That was my first attempt to want to bring together some sort of an initiative to help young people back at home. So I was very disappointed. I never went to that again. When I began to look beyond the Cameroon community for people who were really passionate about trying to bring about change. So there was always a desire to help. So when I met Christine, uh, Christina at the School of Economics and she was studying I think she was doing development studies. The focus on, I think, Africa, she had some experiences in South Africa. It was some sort of a perfect match uh, because the, idea, the ideas came together. And we were very excited about helping to provide access to the people on the continent, uh, to students on the continent. So, yeah, so to answer your question, there was always that desire, and not only the desire to help students um, uh, from Cameroon to get access to opportunities, but I think for every one of you, right? When, wherever you are today, there is someone that looks up to you. you know, whatever you're doing right now, there is someone that looks up to you as an inspiration. And it is your responsibility to reach back out and make sure that that person looks up to you as an inspiration, you provide a door for them. Whether you're studying in India or you're studying in the US or you're studying at the ALA, you guys study all across the world today. There are people that look up to you and it is your responsibility to make sure that you increase or provide more access to those people that look up to you. So it's easier for them to become what you are. Right, right. Always mentor mentor people so that they can supersede you. Mm -hmm. Always ensure that people can become better because when you enable people around you, when you you help people to get better opportunities, better access, et cetera, you grow a richer community. In which to also grow yourself and develop yourself. That's absolutely true, Sir Blaze. And and one thing that I actually mentioned there that I that I do really agree with is is that is the issue of access. You know, access is actually very important. And somebody cannot explore the full uh, you know extent of their potentials or develop their potentials to the fullest if they do not have access to the opportunities that are going to enable them to explore those potentials. Um, many many times, you know, there are many cases where people you know have died with their potentials, have have their potentials are going to waste because they do not have access to to be able to, you know, develop that potential, you know, that human capital development uh, and the opportunities were not there for them to actually get to that point. So um, very noble cause that you're actually promulgating and we're quite excited to be part of this, this work, part of this network, part of this organization, part of this, this whole system. And, you know, unfortunately, one, one thing that uh, is rather a criticism to, to the work that you're doing on Open Dreams uh, sometimes is people will mention that uh, enabling you know, high achieving students gain access to scholarship opportunities and leave the countries. The country is some sort of brain, uh, brain drain, right? 
you know, um, most many students have gotten scholarships to Open Dreams at least 300, you know, since mm-hmm. the, the institution of Open Dreams. And, and because of that, some people say this is a yeah. brain dream, you know, taking away the potentials and the talents and, and those who actually have some capacity from the country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how, how do you actually yeah. react? How do you react to this? That's, that's, yeah. I think that's a good question. I'm glad you brought it up um, because, I mean, it's something I also thought about. Um, it, it, it's a very valid criticism that uh, anyone that sees a program like Open Dreams should level at me or at anyone that's a member of Open Dreams. Well, it's all good and fine to help individuals get education. However, you are actually contributing to a problem, an acute problem, which is that the best and brightest, and it is actually true that you have the best and brightest in Cameroon, part of everyone at Open Dreams, because the selection criteria uh, are such that we pick people that have worked hardest, people that are top in their classes, people that have demonstrated leadership, people that are exposed, to really are the cream of the crop. Right. And then we enable you to go and study abroad. So that is a very, so that is a very, uh, you, yeah, you are the intellectual elite. That is a very valid criticism. Now, um, to my, to, to, to those critics, here's what I say. It's true. It's valid. It's a valid criticism. But then what options do we have? Think, think about any country in the world. The United States, when it was an emerging country, sent its elite to go study at Oxford, right? China China today sent its elite to go study at, at Harvard. Harvard is the best school in the world. We, we have a student at Harvard, right? Oxford right. is one of the best schools in the world. We have students at Oxford. So at the end of the day, what is important is not to tie people. You, you can separate this, 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 um, this course, this argument into two parts. The first is, should people be allowed to go and study abroad? Second is, how do you get them back, right? So I make no apologies for enabling people to be able to go and get the best education that there is. There is. Because if you look in Cameroon, I'm going to indict the educational system in Cameroon, in spite of the fact that all of you, and you're the best, and you're very smart people, you come here and say that the educational leaders have completely failed us. They failed us, especially at the level of tertiary education. So many young people, so many of you, you, you leave high school with high hopes. You leave high school with the best course. And then you get into um, QS, you get into Polytech, and, you, and your futures just decay. You, you, you become despondent because the opportunities don't exist. So the tertiary educational system in Cameroon is a complete failure. We cannot train the best people to lead our countries at these very institutions. I do not say, I do not say that everyone that has to be with Cameroon tomorrow must go back to study. But what I do say is that we deserve a better education we deserve a better educational system to train the future leaders of this country. The country that we have, have we, we, the country we come from, because that would take us off a different path, we all agree that it has some problems. Now, we need solutions to those problems. Where are the people that are going to solve these problems? Where are they going to be educated? I, I'm sorry, I do not really trust that the current generation of leaders we have now, now who are feeling at the jobs they're doing, they were trained at these very institutions. So we cannot be trying the same thing and expecting a different result. We need to find a different way to train our future leaders. So the first argument is, yes, you cannot send everyone abroad, but send those people abroad that have the leadership potential right. and have the courage to want to go abroad and study and then bring, bring that education back. It, it, now, it, the it, second it. indictment, the second criticism would be, okay, it's all good and fine. You can send everyone abroad. However, they're not going to come back. How, I'll get to your point. So you can, you can send everyone abroad, but will they come back? Well, that's why at Open Dreams we have a different spirit. In Dreams, we could, we could, when we bring you guys in, we don't ask you for a dime. We help you guys get access to the best opportunities. We could sign a document and say, you know what? You have to pay back. You have to come to your country and so on and so forth. But I don't believe in that. I believe that the value of the, value of the, 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 the community that Open Dreams brings is to imbue, is to endow in each and every one of you a spirit of service. Our world is too small. You cannot tie people to one geographical place. No matter where you are, no matter where you find yourself, you can serve your country. Do you guys know I'm calling from right now? I'm calling from Cameroon. I'm calling from Douala. I've spent what? I've spent the better part of 13 years abroad. I've been to more than 50 countries, live on five continents or four continents around the world, right? But where am, where, where am I right now? In Douala. So to anyone that says, written to bring me, I say to them, oh, I, I'm, look, I'm, I'm the pioneer of open dreams, right? But where am I right now? I'm in Cameroon, and what am I doing? I've employed Cameroonians. 
have brought in investments worth billions, billions of francs CFA back into Cameroon because I was able to go study abroad. Now, can anyone who's listening to me right now say, if I'd stayed in Cameroon and gone to a school, a school in Cameroon, I'd be able to go and raise millions of dollars in, in, in funding and be able to start the company I've started to employ the people I've employed? Is there anyone that can make that argument? No, I don't believe anyone can make that argument. However, because I was able to go out there and gain knowledge, gain education, get exposure, I've been able to bring that back. Bring that back. You know, we've, we, we have open dreams. We have Kappa and Startup I'm working on. That's because I was able to leave this nest, this comfort zone, and go out and get the talent. And I believe each and every one of you, no one wants to be in India because they love India more than Cameroon. No one wants to be in, in Belgium because they love Belgium more than Cameroon. You guys go there because, yes, you're seeking opportunities for yourself, but you want to enrich yourself. You want to come back and bring that back and enrich your community. So we make no apologies for helping young people like yourselves go to get the, get education, the finest and best institutions. You, you, guys, you guys know what? When Christina Hans and I started Open Dreams, we could have thought, you know, maybe Kamonyas are not that hardworking. Maybe they're not that smart. Maybe we shouldn't strive for Harvard. Maybe we should go for some sort of a low, low-hanging fruit, send you guys to community colleges so you can go struggle. We didn't do that. We believed that each and every one of you can be become the best in your field and compete at the very highest levels. And that's why we enable you guys to strive to attain your fullest potential. You can be anything you want to be. You can be the next Mark Zuckerberg. You can be the next uh, president of the country. You know, you don't, don't, don't limit your ambitions. Go out there and strive and then bring it back to your community. I believe each and every one of you has the spirit to give back. And I, I, there are people on this call, there's Edwin on this call, there's so many of you guys that have started initiatives is back in the country. Right. Those people that are charged, you know, can uh, or accuse us and say we send you guys out because we're, we're draining the country of brain. You guys come back every summer and do amazing projects. Uh, James has been a really great pillar uh, of, of 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 this of this. He's been abroad several times. He's got training and exposure. He's come back. So we don't accept that criticism. But it's a valid one to level. We don't accept it. Thank, thank you for that elaborate answer. I tried to interrupt you many times, but I started to feel it was just too much and it was, it was most impossible for me just to even quench it a little bit. And you've, you've mentioned some very important points there that we cannot, we cannot ignore at all. There's absolute necessity for, you know, human capital development and human potential exploration. And one thing that you equally have said yourself is that most of the institutions back in Cameroon to some degree have failed. Um, and the leaders that they have raised right now are not, you know, uh, in one way or the other, are not doing a very magnificent job in actually developing the potentials and the, capital, and, and the capitals um, of, of young students who are really coming up now and having so much energy and so much intellect. And one, one thing that I absolutely admire about Open Dreams Network is that there's this aspect of, of imbibing the, the, the value of community development, the, the value of community engagement. At, at Open Dreams, um, during the summer academy, Every single scholar is obliged to go into the community, to engage in projects, to volunteer, to work, to give back to service. And I think that that's one thing that actually makes Open Dreams stand out from, from, from other networks, uh, you know, such as this in Africa. Because once a scholar is leaving from Cameroon, what they have at the back of their mind is that they are going to get empowered, they're going to get the potential, and then come back and address those problems that they had originally seen. And so, yeah, that, that's a really great response. And I like how you broke it down into, into two segments you know, going for studies and coming back. Um, I would actually attest that most of the scholars that I know from Open Dreams have not only gone for studies and come back, but I think come back and have invested in, 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 in Cameroon or with other this Premier Dev. Uh, there are so many, you know, institutions and organizations that have started, you know, by, by, that have been started by Open Dreams, by Open Dreams scholars and pre-scholars. Um, and, and they are doing really amazing things. Open Dreams is one of the most um, engaged organizations and community development in Cameroon right now as, you know, as far as I can tell. So that's that's absolutely an amazing experience uh, and, and thank you for that response. So let's let's go a little bit um into talking about about you as an individual. Um but before before we go into that let's let's talk about your your vision of open dreams. Where exactly do you see open dreams in 20 years and what mark do you want open dreams to be? What what was the blueprints that you have in your head of what you want open dreams to be in 20 years from now? Yeah <clears throat> thank you that question you know I, I think james on the call uh, but i i believe that the person that can better answer that question is james i think when we started open dreams um we we were very lucky uh, to have someone like james a leader like james not just a leader right it's some because it, it's more than it's more than leadership it's someone that has a burning passion a burning desire to really pe see people truly succeed 
And I, I'm very lucky to find that person here because that, that's the spirit that I wanted to transmit to, 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 to see young people about around the world, to see young people, especially from Cameroon, um, reach into themselves, explore their potentials to the fullest, provide them that enabling platform so they can be the best they can be. James is a teacher, a fundamental, a classic teacher, a fundamental teacher, someone that wants to inspire his students to achieve, to succeed in classroom and beyond. So he's done that remarkably well uh, over the past 10 years. And the, the whatever uh, Open Dreams is today uh, is in huge part thanks to his indefatigable spirit uh, in ensuring, marshalling resources, bringing in uh, collaborators, bringing in sister organizations, okay. recruiting from schools, in, in ensuring that he's always there for our students, uh, for their recommendations, for everything. So he's done a great job. So he is the single embodiment, really, of the vision that we have for Open Dream. That being said, the vision that I share, I have for Open Dreams, and I think uh, Christina has a vision for Open Dreams as well. James has a vision for Open Dreams as well. And Hans, and I just want to shout out to Hans, shout out to Christina, two people who have no relation to Cameroon, but believe that, you know, um, helping a human being in Cuba uh, where Christina's parents come from, or in Sweden, where, where Hans's parents come from. It's the same as helping human beings from Cameroon. And they've done this amazingly well, and I couldn't have asked for better partners. I just want to shout out to these amazing human beings without whom Open Dreams really wouldn't exist. So these people all should have a vision for Open Dreams. Now, these, so the vision we all have for Open Dreams, they, there is some there's an overlap. We all, we, we, we sh- everyone has a different vision, but there's an overlap. I think overall, my, my fundamental goal is that when I look to when I look to the future of the country, twenty years down the road, I want, I want to see people who are open dreams alumni leading, leading in 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 in, in, in crafting education policy for the country, leading in in finance in the country, leading in business, leading in government. I want to see all these people studying at these amazing institutions around the world. I want to see them come back because guess what? Um, even though I'm one of the biggest people that complain about the country when I drive around. They, around the city of Douala, and I see potholes, and I see everything happening, I get very frustrated. But we're born in Cameroon, right? We cannot, we cannot abandon ship. There's no other ship to run to. We cannot abandon ship. Our parents are here. Our roots are here. You may feel like an outsider, but eventually you're part of the system. You're part of the system because at some point, you will be the leaders that others will look up to. The people that are five years old today, they will look up to you and say, what did you do in your time? And when they ask those questions, better make sure that you're trying to fix things because we cannot keep blaming people for indefinitely. It's true that like we can blame. What are we doing? What will you do? So whatever you guys are doing right now, you're all training. You're training so that you can. For me, when, you, when I think about the vision for Open Dreams, I think first about what will its alumni achieve 10, 20 years down the road. And what I hope is 10, 20 years down the road, when I turn on the TV, when I look to institutions, you guys are leading and you're doing a better job. And you're not only doing a better job, you're taking the country in a different direction. Because you all know, you, you all travel the world. You see how different things are in other parts of the world. We have interesting, great infrastructure, great education, and so on and so forth. Technology, everything. So the blueprint for fixing a country, it all exists in other parts of the world. We all bring it together and fix this country. That is my vision and go for Open Dreams. Now, in terms of the institution itself, Open Dreams is an institution. My hope is it will transform into some sort of a center for excellence. A center for excellence where we have people that come in for like the traditional program that we started with kids that come in and get amazing scholarships around the world number one number two um a place for professional excellence where professionals around coming whether it's doctors teachers etc come for training as well um and a place that will provide some sort of a hub you know like a beautiful tree a bountiful tree in a community that provides a hub for people in the community to come and reach themselves whether they're coming to learn learn technology, new skills, uh, whether it's an incubation for startups. So Open Dreams is supposed to become a nexus for knowledge sharing, a place where people come to get empowered, a place where people come to get a lot of people. Now think about it. How many Open Dreams scholars study on full scholarships around the world today? I would say it's above 200, sometimes maybe even up to 300. Now each of these scholars come from a family. Each of them comes from a family in Cameroon. And if you take someone from each family in Cameroon, and you send them to go to a great school and they're studying on a great scholarship, you provide hope to their parents, you provide hope to their community. So that already is what the dreams is. So I hope that in the next 20 years we continue to be that. So my vision is in two parts. And the and the open and open dreams itself would be a center for excellence, a center for excellence where people in the community come for hope and inspiration, 
where we can incubate startups, we can provide some values of this country so they can go into every facet of the country and fix the broken country. Amazing. So for all those who are joining right now, we are actually having the launch event for the Open Dream Podcast. And uh, I hope that you've been listening and taking down some notes and having your questions because at the end of the session, we're going to give each and everyone, everybody who has, you know, a question to ask the opportunity to, to raise their questions and to have their curiosity satisfied by our co-founder here. Uh, so blessed. And you, you, you've actually answered that question very wonderfully. And thank you so much for throwing that light on it. And uh, it's absolutely amazing part of this network and seeing the, the potential and, and the wonderful plan that we do have, you know, ahead of us. So one thing that everyone who has gone through Open Dreams is going to attest to is, is the fact that Sir James is not just, you know, an academic mentor, but he's also to some degree a personal mentor. He is a very inspirational personality and he goes out of his way, you know, most often to make sure that students, you know, get access to opportunities. You know, he sometimes forwards opportunities to us in box, asking us if we applied, asking us if we, we have, we have if we need recommendation letters and all of that. So Sir James is, you know, one of the powerful pillars of Open Dreams. And it's actually, it's actually amazing to be able to work with him and to, to collaborate with the rest of the team to see that this, you know, this, this, this is coming to life. Um, yeah, so, you know, with that aside, Let's, let's talk now about you getting to, into Harvard Business School. Um, as of 2016, the acceptance rate for Harvard Business School was, you know, just about 12%. So that's, that's very low, you know. And uh, that means that only intellectually elitist individuals were able to get access to, to, to Harvard. And uh, even so, you know, at, at that top level, it's still very difficult because there's a lot of screening that goes on, there are a lot of elements that come into filtering who, is, who goes in and who goes out. And so it's, it's a very tedious process. And so everybody who gets into the institution is... You know, proven, tested, and has has been able to demonstrate their 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 worth. So, what what exactly do you think as an individual that made you stand out during a particular process, and, and what lessons do you think that we can equally draw from from that? Yeah, look, I wouldn't say there was anything special about me that going to Harvard. Never going to go into Harvard. I don't know to what extent it's helpful to you guys uh, to even discuss my going to Harvard. But I just want to say to you, I'm just going to speak in general terms. Um, so we we spend we. Sp- I don't. I want to talk less about myself, in, in, in essence. But I'm just going to say, whatever it is that you want to achieve, whatever it is that you want to do, go for it. Do not place a barrier. Do not say I'm not good enough. Now, it doesn't mean you're arrogant. It means that you strive. There are program that so I'm just going to give you guys an example. There are times when I, I was telling my my young nephew when I mentored the other day, he had an eighteen on a test, and I said he could have done better because. The 20, he, he, he could have had 20, but he missed it. Now, he could have also had 16 and I'd be much happier. And why do I, why do I use that example? There are times when you strive your best and you only get the C. And that's great enough. That's good enough. But then there are times when you don't work hard enough. You put in just some effort and you get an A minus. And that's not good enough. So what I try to say to you guys is the morale of the story here is don't ever write yourself off and say, I, I'm a black man. I'm a woman. I'm disabled. Um, I don't speak well. Don't, don't don't ever say I don't come from money, I don't have the right accent, I don't come from the right country, I don't have the, the right clothes. Don't. Whatever is in your head, no one can take away from you. The 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 the, 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 the fight you have in you, no one can take away from you. You know, no one can ever take that away from you. People can mock you in school for not having the right accent and all that, but all of that doesn't impact how strong you can fight. When I got to Washington and Lee, I was this kid from Africa. I was like Washington Lee, like kids kids that go there from like very wealthy schools, like sort of very wealthy families. And I was this kid that people would mock at, like, oh, the kid from Africa, no one cares. But then Goldman Sachs only takes one person to the school per year. And by my fourth year, I was that one person. Now, but if I let all those things that those people said to me, if it got to me, I never would be that one person. So the morale of the story here is, um, if you want to go to Harvard Business School, you work hard for you will. If you want to go to Oxford, you will. Like, so that's, that's literally the takeaway here. And the application pr- the the application process itself, all of that is just process. Now, it does not mean you won't fail. Like the path to success, all of you know, everyone of you know, there are so many of you that applied one, two, three, four times before got accepted. The path to success is not straight. If you think it's straight, you're setting yourself up for failure. Path to success is not straight. But when you work hard, that's that's my prayer. I think that's a prayer that I have, the kind of prayer I believe in. I don't believe that I can sit here and then not work hard. And then on the day of the exam, I go and manipulate God's conscience and invoke his spirit to help me to pass and, and be better than other people. I don't believe in that. 
I believe that the prayers, that's when you start working hard. That's how God answers prayers. Because think about it. If you don't work hard and then you rely on prayer on some, or some sort of superstition, then you're literally asking God to cheat on your behalf. Why is it that other people would go pray and God would favor them and not those people that have been working hard? So I believe that that's prayer. Prayer is literally you putting in the legwork, right? working hard, believing in yourself. Not think, I don't think about competition. I hardly ever think about my competition. I just think about where can where where did I start and where can I be? So that really is my philosophy. Right. And so I got so when I, I have most, I've had self-doubts, right? I still do have self-doubt. I'm working on a startup. I still don't know if it's gonna be successful someday. I don't know if it's gonna be a unicorn someday. We all have self-doubt. But in that process, think about where is it you come from? What is it you're trying to achieve? And can you bring your intellect to bear? Can you bring the resources you have to bear? Can you bring your ingenuity to bear? Can you reuse your talent, your resources, your network to make sure you work hard and shall succeed? So that's why any one of you here cannot get accepted to Harvard or Stanford or Yale, whatever. You all have the opportunity, you all have the platform, you all have the access. Just work hard because you have the internet, you can do it as well. So that was sort of my inspiration, right? Because I came from like, I mean, think about it. Well, for, um, I was, I came from Cap from Bermuda, then also Washington, I worked at Goldman. So what really motivated me? What made me believe that I could actually belong in this group as well? Because we all sometimes feel like imposters. When you're in these environments, you're like, hey, maybe I don't belong here. Maybe it's only the sons of the doctors, the lawyers from Upper West Side in New York that belong here. It's the sons of the wealth that belong here. You feel like an imposter. So when I was in China, I was studying for the Schwarzman Scholars Program, and that's one of you there right now. Um, I saw all these kids from Harvard and Yale and MIT and all that. I'm like, oh, but these guys, like, they went to all these Ivy League schools and, and were in class, and you know they're not that smarter than me. And they're like, okay, I mean, you know what? I'm going to apply. I'm going to be one of these kids that applied to HBS. And that year when we applied, there were only two of us that got accepted into HBS. And these were already kids that came from elite, wealthy backgrounds in the U.S. So don't write yourself off. No one in the world believes in your, should believe in yourself more than you. And the only person that stands between you and whatever you want to achieve is yeah. you. There is no one that can come and say, I put, I, I, I put a barrier before you and I stop you from progressing today. No one. The only person that sees a stumbling block in front of you is you. Right. So remove that stumbling block and just work hard and strive and succeed and leverage the people around you. Use relationships well. Be polite to people, be respectful of their time when they give you their time. Send emails to follow up if they if they forget. People don't people don't people don't receive your emails and say, Oh, I hate this guy, I'm not gonna respond to you. No, they're just busy and they forget. Send follow-up emails, remind them gently, leverage your relationships, and then keep informed. Keep informed. Like literally, I cannot tell you guys how much being informed about anything and everything right i like i take every subject to be my domain like i i'm not the, i'm not i'm not an expert on anything but i make sure that but i'm a scientist or uh, an engineer or a politician there's some conversation i can have even if it's superficial so get informed about what's happening in the world around you whether it's in your part of the country york times wall street Journal, financial times the economies um tech tech reviews newsletters informed that is how you stay out of the game thank you very motivational segment um i i, I don't think there could have been a better response to that that question um you're absolutely right when you say that most of the times um the barriers that actually exist are the ones that we set for ourselves you know um there's this common code that says that you miss 100 of the shots that you don't take so when you when you're a fighter when you when you are you know constantly go for it there's a higher chance that you're going to get it and um so thank you thank you again for really motivating us with that Let's go a bit to talk about um, Kappa Pay, which is a startup that you earlier mentioned that you're working on. So um, the, the basic premise of Kappa Pay is really to enable Black-owned businesses move money in and out of Africa. So tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, basically, Kappa Pay is like so something I'm working on. Um, I My background is in finance, as some of you know, in trading, in private equity. Um, but when I was at, was at HPS, I think one of the good things I do there it's enable you to be very reflect, reflective and introspective and ask yourself, what do you want to do? What do you want to achieve in life? Like, what would make you happy? What would make you satisfied? What is your purpose? Is it money you're looking for? Or do you want to create impact and change? No. So when you're there, you go through this very introspective, at 20 years old or at 80 years old, and you look back on your life, what you wish you would have done. No. So when you think about things like that, when you, when you take a step back, think about some of these bigger questions in life, and, you know, your choices begin to narrow to those things that fundamentally matter to you. And, you know, people come to this question um, at different stages in life. And I'm going to say for this group, uh, you know, most of you scholars, it might be a question where 
it's to be not premature for you to begin to answer for yourself to start cover out of you know just right out of college. I mean, you can do that if you have the means. There are a lot of young people that have dropped out of college to start companies, but you sort of need to build skills. For those of us that come from humble backgrounds, you want to sort of prove yourself somewhere else. You know, cut your teeth, prove yourself somewhere else, get some sort of financial stability. You know, people do that through. You know, you go to college, you go to college, you graduate, you work for a tech company, you work for consulting, you know, one of the big four, you work in accounting firms, you work in energy, um, you, you work on Wall Street, etc. So in those side, you know, when you do that, you sort of get the experience and you get some savings and so on and so forth. And then beyond that, you might have the luxury or the liberty to ask yourself, now I didn't like my job too much, but I had to do it because I had to really put food on the table. Now what do I really want to do? What do I want to achieve? Um, so you sort of go through that exercise. So the first thing is like, like it's just a formula that many people have tried and tested. You, know, you get out of college, you get a job, you work for two, three three, four, five years, you get good experience, and you ask yourself, maybe I need to double down in my industry, you're doing quite well, or um, you might say, okay, I want to go to business school, or I want to go do some other thing, I want to go back to school, I want to reinvent myself. You can reinvent yourself and then change industries, and at that point, you think about what do you want to achieve in life. So I think it was then that I started thinking, what do I want to do? You can go back to watch yourself, you know, earning good money and all that, but then is that, does that give you satisfaction? When you wake up in the morning, does that motivate you? Does it give you purpose and meaning? Um, and this is when we come back, we come back, we go back to like when we grew up, what motivated us, what do we want to achieve, what impact do we want to create and all that. So that was the thinking for, for me. And that's how the idea of Kappa came about. I wanted to do something. Um, but first of all, I want to do something for myself, do something that inspires me every day uh, and uh, do something back on the continent because the opportunities are here. It's true that you're also motivated by the upside, the potential upside. And FinTech, like you guys know, like there's a, we live in a very fantastic time in history. In the history of the human race, we have access to all kinds of, everyone has a phone, iPhones and all whatnot. And, you know, when people went to the moon, people didn't have computers that were this powerful uh, back in the 60s. So you live at a time, just just remind each and every one of you, you live in a very unique moment in history. You have access to the most powerful tools you can get. You have access. Think about it. When we were in high school, we'd go to library, like people that went to the club in Bermuda, who we go to the Bermuda Council Library, we get books there. We really didn't have access to internet. But today you can go online and have access to more uh, information that ever existed to any other human being in history before this time. Think about it. It's fascinating. The, just the, 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 the sheer scale of the information you have in your hands. So you can literally do anything. So it's the moment. To, and sometimes it can be dizzy with all this information. So you ask yourself, what do you want to achieve? And how? How do you leverage your skills, your resources, all the educational knowledge you've built to be able to build something and achieve, and achieve something? So that was the inspiration for me. And I thought, what do I do next? That I could have gone into venture capital, gone into private equity, uh, go back to Wall Street and all that. But I thought, Kappa is it. Kappa is the thing I want to do next. And this was like a fintech company, building a fintech company. And I think the rest is history. You guys know I raised some funding and we're building it now. And then uh, we'd, be, we'd be launching sometime in the future. So that was the inspiration for Kappa. <clears throat> and I just want to say to each and every one of you, tomorrow, if you want to start a company, I mean, my my principle, my philosophy is if I've gone ahead and done something, and if there's someone behind me that wants to do it, then I want to show them how to do it, right? If I went to go, if I go to, go to school in the US, I want to show other young people how to do the same thing. If I go to Wall Street, I want to mentor young people to go, go to Wall Street. There are a lot of people on Wall Street today that, that have helped work on Wall Street. If I go to Schwarzman, he showed me to go to Schwarzman. If you go to Harvard Business School, show me to go to Harvard Business School. That's a, it's simple. Is that, is that, is that simple? If you, whatever you achieve and succeed, you, you don't succeed, show them how to do it as well. And they'll do it, they might do it better, they might do it worse, but just show them how to do it. It doesn't, it doesn't subtract from you. And I swear to God, Open Dreams is a wonderful blessing in our She's excited. When we see you guys, when we see you all succeed, it brings immeasurable pride. It brings immeasurable joy to see that you guys go out there and work so hard and become what you want to become. So you do the same for others. So now that I've started FinTech, I have access to investors and all that. Tomorrow, if anyone wants, any one of you wants to start a company, I wouldn't say, oh, I have money to give you to start a company, but I'll say, here's what I did. Here's how I talked to investors. Here's how I put together my picture there. Here's how I recruited people. Here's how I, what I did to get engineers and so on and so forth. So that's the story of Kappa. And we're very, very excited about what we're doing. Building, and we hope that you know, um, yeah, you guys uh, get to use Kappa when we when we launch. Yeah, yeah, sure. I, I like the angle uh, from which you're answering most of these questions. Um, it's it's absolutely wonderful. Thank you for these responses. 
uh, you're answering as you're not really answering, but you're actually answering the question. And those who are listening very attentively are going to draw some very key gems from the responses they're giving to us. Um, I would say that I do agree with what you said uh, about us living in a very interesting time with how far technology has come, um, the access of information. At, you know, if you click on a few buttons, you can basically get a course that you can study for free, expand your skill set, you know, you know, expand your knowledge, expand your network, gain access to information, to resources, tools, mentors, and all of that. So yeah, we are living in an interesting, in interesting period of history. And I, I wanted to ask you a question about, you know, how we were able to raise about 2.1 uh, million in implicit funding, uh, but maybe we're going to talk about that in another segment, uh, or you could throw a bit some light on that in case you want to. But I want to move forward to talking about creating impact. You mentioned that um, it is necessary for each and every person to ask themselves. Sorry. So yeah, you, you want to move forward, like I said, to, to talking about creating impact. And you mentioned that it is, it is necessary for everybody to ask themselves at some point in their lives what it is that they want to actually, what change they want to bring, what impact they want to create, um, what positive value they want to leave back, what legacy they actually want to build. And for you to some degree, Kappa was, you know, really that way of creating, of creating positive impact, you know, using technology, using fintech and all of that. So um, the average African actually lives on less than five US dollars a day. And um, the mission statement in some way of Kappa is, you know, facilitating the movement of, of money uh, from Black-owned businesses in the U.S. to Africa and back. So of what relevance or of what impact is that particular mission of Kappa to the average African who lives on less than five years daily? Yeah, uh, Titus, it seems like you've done a lot more homework than I expected. Um, you're asking the good questions. Um, so, um, so basically, I, I'm not going to sit here. The, I'm building Kappa, number one, to, to, to create an impact. I'm also building Kappa to create value, tremendous value. I believe that there is a lot of potential on the African continent. If you think about the way the, 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 word, the word works, right? We trade, like we, we, we have economies, we trade. Each no one thinks about it from first principles. For me to exist and, and live a fulfilled life, I need to interchange, I need to exchange with someone. I Let's give them bread and they'll give me sugar and so on and so forth. So we have an economy that exists. We need to trade. And when you trade, yeah, when you trade, you're exchanging value. And the most common way to exchange value today, or with the system that we invented to exchange value, is money. And now that's transitioned. You know, and that was local before, right? People did not used to leave their, their villages before. They use money from 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 uh, they use money locally. But today, I want to exchange value not just with titles that lives next to me. I want to exchange value with Christina that lives all the way in California. How do I do that? I use technology to exchange value. And our thesis at Kappa, we fundamentally believe that. To today, there is still a lot of challenges, and I'm sure you most of you would attest, moving exchanging value, storing and exchanging value. If I wanted to send uh, money to Joy right now in India, what do I do? Well, I might go to Western Union, but that's inconvenient. You know, if I wanted to text Joy a message right now, I'd go to WhatsApp and send her a message. And it's great. So if we can exchange information so easily, why not value as well? So that's our thesis. So at Kappa, our thesis is we want to make it as easy to exchange value as we exchange information today. That's our thesis at Kappa. So how does that then translate to your question? Like, how does it help your people in, in Africa so, you know, to, to live better lives? How does it help them? People live on less than five dollars and so on and so forth. So fundamentally, Kappa, we owe we have a fiduciary duty to our investors. So the first thing, the first thing we're responsible to do is investors. But we also want to create impact. We believe that if we build the product that we want to build, it will enable people to be able to easily exchange value. And when you can easily exchange value, then there is a lot of benefit that accrues, right? Because people can sell their goods faster, get money faster, and so on and so forth. Now think about Cameroon. What do we, what do we, what do we produce? What do we manufacture? If you look around you, the shirt you have, the mic you have, the chair you have, the computer you have, et cetera, the bobs you have, None of it was manufactured in Cameroon, or very little of it. So we import everything. Now, when we import everything, we have to pay money out. Money has to go out. How do we pay that money? If you go to banks, it's very difficult. I mean, it's very difficult to do that. You want to send money right now to pay for school fees abroad, it's quite challenging to do that. So Kappa would enable people to be able to easily do that. Now, you could ask me another question. Well, maybe you should be building a business that would enable people, enable companies to produce more locally and lead to import substitution so we can export more and so on and so forth. Well, but the structure of the African economy is what it is. Africa is the one of the last parts of the world where you have the least industrialization. Now, maybe we shouldn't go into development economics, but most countries in the world, the way they developed was by exporting their way to growth. 
The U.S. developed because they export, they industrialized and exported a lot to other parts of the world. Britain did the same thing, they started exporting textiles. Uh, Asia, the same thing, you know, manufacturing is the way you, you, you grow, right? Like the, com the main components, if you look at the demand component of, G of GDP, you look at uh, you look at consumption, you look at export and imports, you look at governments, governments expansion, you look at investments. For many countries that are starting out from a low base, the most important way is to manufacture and export. So Asia has done that, other parts of the world have done that. Africa, we're expecting, hoping that Africa will do that as well. But I think many of us, because we're very fragmented, you cannot look at Africa as a whole. But you look at different parts of Africa, some people are doing a much, a much better job. Other people are thinking, well, we might not, we might not go through the manufacturing phase, we might, we might skip straight and go into services in Kenya, for example. You know, there's a lot of you know, tech and so on and so forth. But in, in the history of development, growth, economic growth is synonymous with industrialization, with manufacturing and exporting away. But unfortunately for us, we import a lot of things. We have cheap labor, right? People like Apple, et cetera, all those people, they should be looking to do assembly lines here. They should be looking to employ a lot of Africans for cheap labor. But, I, but our leaders don't do a good job or they don't understand what's, what the hell is going on or they don't do a good job trying to enable Cameroon, for instance, to become a manufacturing hub so we can, we, so we can export our way to growth. Now we import a lot of things that we not importing. When we import this, we have to make payments. So for Kappa, what we want to do is to facilitate payments. Now, Kappa is different from other fintechs in the sense that many fintechs only help you to move money either in or out. Like in the US, if you look at our competitors from PayPal to Wave to Sunwave and all those companies, they help you to move money into the country. For Kappa, you can use Kappa if you're in the US or in Europe to send money back as well. But also you can use Kappa if you are in Cameroon. We're dealing with the Cameroon in mind, right? To send money back abroad. To send money to make payments for Netflix or PayPal and so on and so forth. So it's some sort of bi-directional thing. And it's both for businesses and also for individuals. So that's sort of what the philosophy is. I took a tangent there to talk a bit about development economics and so on and so forth. But just sort of just to take a step back and say, you know, this is how you know, economics works. This is how Kabat thinks about the flow of goods and services around the world. And this is where we want to come in. Thank, thank you for that uh, detour into uh, global economics and, uh, and business. And I, I think that was very relevant to actually answer that question. Um, so for those who are you know, interested in business, interested in economics, interested in using technology to drive systems such as that, um, if you can have the opportunity to get to, to Blaise, he's a very busy person, but if you do have the opportunity someday to get to him and just you know, ask one or two questions, I'm sure you're going to definitely learn a lot from that. Um, yeah, we're, we're going to go into talking about the future of Kappa Pay. I think you've already laid that down very good. And um, yeah, we are, we are moving towards the end of, the, of our interview. So one thing that we do at Open Dreams Podcast is a tradition that we have actually maintained over you know, five episodes uh, right now is that we give you know the, the guests the opportunity to give a few words of encouragement or a few words of, of counsel to the audience. So if you were to, in a few lines, because I'm moving to the end, I'm going to take about four questions before we eventually close out. Uh, yeah, give us a few words of counsel, just in a few lines. General counsel. Yeah, sure. So the advice, the, the one advice I want to tell people is, no, don't be too hard on yourselves. Today, sometimes we're just too hard on ourselves. I'm not doing enough. I'm not striving enough. My friends are successful. Everyone's got a scholarship. Everyone's got a job. Everyone's got accepted to amazing programs. You know, uh, people are doing fine. People are traveling. They're on social media. They're, they have amazing lives and the worst. Don't. Tune it out. Like, seriously, what you see on social media is so different from what's happening inside, internally. Do not let your internal equilibrium, right, be set by external forces. Try as much as you can to have that internal peace, that your 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 internal equilibrium should 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 come, it should come from within, right? It should not be by external forces. Those external forces, all, all the information that coming from social media, consuming and all that, it's all noise. It's all noise. You know, when people succeed, they don't go out there and keep scrolling on social media and thinking, oh my God, all of this is happening. No, they sit down and work hard and tune out the noise. And then once they work hard, then they come out and succeed and then I can write about it. Don't compare. Like, yeah, you're right, Krishna. You compare your despair. Don't. You know, I can tell you guys what kind of other you're already doing that. But I think what's very pernicious today is people try to measure up themselves. Measure up themselves to their friends and so on and so forth. Don't do that. Just find your own path and stick to your path. And it's okay for other people to travel and enjoy themselves in their lives. It doesn't concern you too much. Someday you'll get there. Look, I'm here right now. My friends that graduated with me from HBS they're in London, they're in New York, they're in San Francisco. They party, they travel, they do fun stuff. I see it too. Sometimes I feel formal. I feel like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm missing out as well. But no, but just focus on yourself. Focus on building yourself. You know, read a book. 
read a great article. Like there are so many beautiful articles. I used to post a lot about you know articles. I, I don't do that anymore today. But there are so many beautiful things out there to read, to enjoy, to develop yourself, to grow your mind. That's that's the advice I want to give you. Because I could I could say to you that I'll work hard and go get better scholarships. You all are already doing that. So mental health is very important. Don't neglect mental health. Mental health is exacerbated, right? The mental health problem is exacerbated by the stuff we see and consume around us. But consume the good things. Consume the good things. Stay true to yourself. Stay true to your values. Don't let the, the social media feed put up you. Don't let all, all those things that people have better lives than all. No, you have a great life. If you can put food on a table and then get a good book to read and pursue your dreams, you're doing great. So while you're talking, I, I just you know remembered that I downloaded um, a poem here that you wrote on in 2017. You put you uploaded that on your LinkedIn, and while you were speaking, I just I just clicked it to the poem, and I'm just going to read a few um, some parts of it right now. The title is "Someone Your Services." As you head out each morning, prepare to seize the day. Hold your head up high. Take pride in your achievements. As you set about your affairs, let go the worries, the insecurities, the occasional self-doubt. Dwell not on yesterday's mistakes. We all make them. Instead, profit from each day, from each new day, to write your own, to write your story anew for each. You don't bring another chance to start over. And when you find yourself in one's life, in one of like inevitable valleys, solve to train your sights to the mountain peak ahead. Find your internal equilibrium, draw from the store of strength within. Assuredly, the challenges you face today pave the road to tomorrow's achievements. And whatever your ambitions, whatever your expectations, do not let society set them for you. That is a certain recipe for failure. Lastly, though others may say no, especially. When they say you can't, remember you have the agency to summon your best self and say yes, and that is all you need to conquer. Thank you so much, Sir Bless. Uh, I, I, I think you have forgotten about that poem, uh, but it's an, it's an absolutely amazing piece and wonderful piece. So um, <laughs> we have actually come to the end of the, the, the interview. It, it took um, at least three times longer than we originally anticipated, and now we are going to give... Um, members of the audience opportunity to ask their questions so if you do have a questions i think i'm going to take about four if you do have a question just unmute yourself and uh that are your question to surplus before the listeners come on in and asking the, the questions and his question goes as such it says sir blaze do you have is open dreams having any intention of targeting french cameras i think it's, but i believe that we we frankly do don't discriminate. We try to target students from uh, from all parts of the country, uh, whether they're French speaking or English speaking, um, and uh, we we don't we don't discriminate uh, by language. It is true that there are more opportunities in the anglophone world, right? Because many of the scholarships are like in, I mean, the, the English is, a, is an international language. That is true. But no matter where you come from, whether you are in a high school that uses French, when a high school that uses English, if you Actually, we're doing, I think uh, there was a time when uh, I think James was doing a concerted effort to go out and actually particularly find students from Francophone schools and Francophone section to enable them to get scholarships as well. It just happens to be the nature of scholarships that most of these programs are in English and so on and so forth. But I know that there are many of you on this call that are you know, from either from French-speaking schools or from French you know from francophone backgrounds but we don't discriminate whatsoever we get the best and the brightest from everywhere all right so i uh, just got some information from sir james now we're going to see just two more questions thank you, sir, thank you for that as the session time. with uh, the ladies comes up in a few in a few hours go ahead joy well if anyone else has a question they can just raise their hands and we see how to answer the question and just to add kevin um we have science for actually things takes french-speaking cameroonians on scholarship and i believe um, open dreams has been able to expand into the french-speaking cameroon of recent i think it's almost a year now we have been targeting the french-speaking cameroonians because there are opportunities for them as well there are also mastercard foundation scholarships that do come yeah indeed okay we have a question from delphine she says is there any background check to really ascertain yeah, I think that's a great question. I believe when we started, the assumption was that many of the people we targeted, we already, you know, in Cameroon, it's not too difficult to ascertain whether someone is from uh, a low-income background. We can tell sometimes from the high schools they went to, we meet their parents and so on and so forth. So I think that that's not the most stringent of our screening criteria. Um, we 
mostly look at you know how hardworking and how smart they are, whether they've demonstrated the aptitude to become Open Dreams members. For now, we believe that most of the people that come to, come to Open Dreams meet our criterion for a low income achievement, basically. Unless there are sons of sons and daughters of millionaires here and billionaires that we've missed, if we have open dreams and help and help out the uh, the others. Thank you, Gilbert. Yeah, Gilbert has a question. Yeah. Hi, Blaze. Thanks so much for the amazing um, talk. Listening to you is always like getting back to the getting back to the fuel station to refill each time we listen to you. Um, I must I must remark with this before I come to my question to remark this um, this quote. Sorry, um, Miles Monroe says success without a success so is failure. And I must say, Open Dreams is raising a giant of scholars uh, uh, who who are hungry for change. Uh, if you look across, there are many initiatives that are growing from within the scholars. And my question to you. you Place and to the rest of the co-founders, what mechanism are we putting in place to see that we have this broad range of initiatives by the people you are raising across the continent to melt down as subsidiaries of Open Dream? We want to see an Open Dreams with a trunk, with branches, with leaves, and with the roots deep. What mechanism do we have in place? Thank you. Gilbert, that's a great question. Thanks for your question, right? We we want to see that uh, the, whatever mother's success is we've achieved so far can be replicated, you know, in not just, you know, before even going to other parts of the continent, in other parts of the country. We want to make sure that Open Dream reaches out and, you know, into other communities as well. There are a lot of other communities where open, you know, people can benefit a lot from the model that we've we've created at Open Dreams. And what are we doing? What are people doing? What are we doing to ensure that the the fruits and the and the successes and all that can be spread? We can spread our tentacles to ensure that we reach into even wider communities in Cameroon and beyond. I know that as we come up to our tenth anniversary, uh, there are some ideas that are being put forward. I saw something came from James the other day about what exactly we should be doing to make sure that we can replicate uh, the successes from. Open Dreams. When we started Open Dreams, really one of the things we really thought about intently from the start was to make sure that the model could be easily scalable. And easily scalable means we can quickly and easily set up new centers and then translate that model because we're not, it's not a capital intensive thing. The Open Dreams is, is its people. It's like Open Dreams is, is you guys. You are Open Dreams. So um, if, if, we if we use that as model, as a basis, then wherever each and every one of you go, it's a potential new open dreams, right? You're spreading these amazing seeds into the wind. And then wherever you land, it's a new open dream that germinates in a sense. Because I know that each and every one of you, in one way or the, or the other, you're mentoring people, you're helping people. People look up to you, like I said earlier, as success stories, and you're helping them. And when you do that, you already are pro 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 proliferating open dreams. That's what you're doing. So I believe that we're going to have a more structured process, especially in the years ahead, to make sure that Open Dreams, as it exists today, can exist in other countries as well. And that this, this, the, the most important thing, actually, the strongest thing, is this network alumni, the, the, the network, the community. It's so powerful. Why do you guys think that schools, the U.S. at MIT, Harvard, Oxford, all those schools are very powerful? Because when you graduate into, into the community, they welcome you. When there are jobs, they post this Send it to you guys. When when like when my friends are working at companies, when job opportunities come up, they first share it with the people in the network, in the alumni community. That is what makes these clubs very powerful. And that's what you guys should be doing because you're all alumni of open dreams. It means you can help each other, you can impact each other, and so on and so forth. That's the most important, that's the strongest thing to come out of this. But definitely in the uh, in the years ahead, especially as we find a way to make open dreams more sustainable and you know begin to apply for grants and get more resources we're going to be very intentional about making sure that we set up new structures and so on and so forth to make sure that we're really maximizing uh, and benefiting from uh the, the, the amazing uh fruit or, or amazing uh, benefit that is open ring. thank you for your response this and this uh unfortunately we cannot take all questions as we yeah. have time constraints um at us right now I equally recorded an episode with Mickey Gabriel, which is available on Spotify right now. So if you go on Spotify, it's like Open Dreams Podcast, you're easily going to find us. So it was absolutely amazing having you on this uh, particular meeting. So, yes, thank you so much for dedicating your time, your energy, and um, 
yeah, you know, taking all our questions and entertaining our curiosities. We're certainly amazing to have you. So thank you also, uh, listeners and audience who signed into today's session. It was absolutely amazing to have you here. You can find us on our social media pages, Open Dreams, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, and Twitter as well. And you can find Open Dreams Podcast on Spotify. You can find it on Podvine. You can find it equally on RSS. And in the future, we're going to be releasing more interesting episodes with more mind-boggling conversations awesome. from individuals who are you know, spearheading change in different areas and in different individuals of the Open Dreams uh, Network. Thank you so much, Bless. So Bless, and have a wonderful day. Thank you very much. I just thank you, Joy. Thank you to everyone for joining. Have a wonderful weekend, everyone. Bye. Bye.